Blog Talk Radio. Blessings, blessings, and a gracious good afternoon to you. So, so thankful that God has blessed you to see another day and blessed us to see another day and allowed our paths to cross and join in the airwaves. My name is Elder Coilette James. I am the host of the It's Real Radio Talk Show, and I have my lovely co-host on the line with me, Miss Tanya Roberts. How are you today, my love? I am awesome, sis, and every day that I wake up and realize the blessings of God, I become more awesome every day. It's a cool day. It's breezy. I thought this is a perfect time to cook one of them home meals to make you feel comfort, and it's just awesome. How are you, beautiful? Oh, my God. I'm upset now because I want to be close to where you are so I can come over there for that home-cooked meal. Well, if you're in Atlanta, we might just have to bring you one. <laughs> you know, I am, I am, I am. So how is everything in the Roberts household today? You know what I thank God, and I'll let everybody know nothing is perfection. And what I thank God is we have to realize that when we get married, when we buy a house, when we prepare ourselves for the future, God gives it because of his promises, but he never guarantees what it will turn out to be. So we have to make it the best of what we want it to be, what we believe it should be, and at the same time praying what we hope it should be, trusting God, what his will would be. Amen. Absolutely, absolutely. And no matter what it is and what we do, we always have to trust in God. Plans that man makes mm, quite often differ than the plans that God has for us, unless our plan is just to follow his plan. <laughs> then that way we cannot go wrong. That is the best plan, the best plan. Well, I think I praise God today for I, I just had this on my heart this morning, and I just thought it would be a great um, subject to talk about is the culture in which we live. Um, culture can span so many different areas of our lives. We know that there's ethnic culture, there's family culture, um, there's gender, gender culture. There's so many different ways that culture is established within um, our households and in our traditions and in our family units and what have you. But I want to talk about the culture of the kingdom of God today and how that culture, if we allow it to shape how we handle life, a lot of times will differ from the culture that is around us, the culture of the world. Um, I came across a site, and, and I, want, I would like to just read um, a little blurb that, that I saw on this site dealing with culture. It says, one thing that sets humans apart from other members of the animal kingdom is our propensity to develop customs and traditions. In fact, humans love doing this so much that the world has been enriched with thousands of different cultures since the dawn of civilization. No doubt one important aspect of just about any given culture is its 
code of etiquette. And I really like that. It, it, is, it is very, very true because most of the animal kingdom, they're instinctively the same. They, um, it's kind of like passed down in their DNAs on how they handle situations, what they do. And it, it is very interesting to even watch. Um, I'm a dog lover, and just seeing the different breeds of dogs and how they interact in different ways. Um, I have a, a small little dog. She's um, three-quarter toy poodle and one-quarter toy terrier and 100% spoiled rotten and just a little yapper. She barks at every sound. Every noise. I mean, it's just sometimes nerve-wracking. But she's a small little thing, and you would think that she was a mastiff, which is one of the biggest dogs in the world. Because um, she just she'll run up to you like, "Hey, I, I got pit bull in me or something," right? But she's a barker. She barks all the time. And I remember um, at one time I was caring for my grandson's pit bull. And that dog never barked. I mean, you know, it, you hear all these bad connotations about pit bulls and whatever, but I tell you that was the best dog. He was, or she, I'm sorry, she was phenomenal. She was quiet. She was very protective. The only time that I had to worry about her is if she went around other animals, and that was because he had rescued her, and at one time her owners used to fight her. So she would get in a very defensive mode anytime any other animals came around her. But other than that, she was the sweetest thing. But it, it's just instinctively different, that different breeds have different cultures with inside themselves. And I think that's true for us as well. You know, um, like I said, we, we have our family cultures. We have our family traditions. I was listening to Tanya saying, you know, it's, it's cold and breezy outside. It, it is like that here too in Atlanta. Um, but so she was cooking a nice big home-cooked meal for, for the average black family. And, and I'm speaking from that perspective, because I'm used to that culture, um, Sundays is that day that you made that family meal, the culture, and everybody gathered around the table. I mean, there's actually been movies made based on, on that particular culture of gathering around the dinner table on Sunday and breaking bread together, because usually during the week, everybody is working in their school, and they're off to so many different places, but that Sunday was that day of coming together. Um, likewise, um, in the American culture, we have got so many mixtures of cultures that reside in the United States of America, and mainly because we are comprised of so many different ethnicities, um, so many different um, Types of people, that melting pot, we, we span the gamut on that. And it's really funny uh, when you hear, quote, unquote, Americans talk about, you know, foreigners and, and how, you know, we shouldn't let any foreigners in the country and different things like that. I'm going to leave it like that. But it's really kind of comical to me because that's what America is made of, is foreigners. They're all the cultures that, that gathered on this soil other than the Native American was foreigners coming to this soil, and they developed their own cultures. In the next month, we will all gather in America for the culture of Thanksgiving, coming together and, and, and having that traditional Thanksgiving meal. I love Thanksgiving. That's that's like my holiday. Thanksgiving is the day that everybody comes to grandma's house, and I'm grandma, um, because I figured, you know, when my children got of age and they had their own families, they had their own traditions they were building in their own homes with their own children, so I didn't want to infringe on that, so I took Thanksgiving, and then for Christmas I get to go visit everybody else's house, and everybody else has to do all the cooking and all the madness. But, you know, it, it, there's, like I said, there's so many different aspects um, to our culture. What has really been on my heart is part of the culture in which we live in at this point in time in the United States of America is one of low tolerance. 
And, and I find that very odd since we are a culture, so to speak, of all these mixed cultures. But I'm finding more and more, and I think that, you know, Tanya, if you disagree or agree, you can let me know, but I'm finding more as we watch the news, as we see different things unfold in the culture in which we live in today, there's very low tolerance for each other. There, you've got the white supremacists, like, rising up again for whatever reason. You've got... Um, gay people that because now somebody wrote in a law book that it's okay for you to get married, now all of a sudden you're intolerant of anybody that believes in the fundamental principles of the Bible so that, you know, you're suing places of business if they don't want to make your wedding cake. I mean, things like that, it just really blows my mind because, again, being in the culture of America, it was built on so many mixed cultures, and that's, that's an issue. However, as I said before, and I know I'm, I'm kind of taking a long time to build this foundation for our discussion today, but as I said before, I want to touch on the culture of the kingdom. And that culture is a culture of love. It is a culture, believe it or not, of tolerance for even those that are not of like-mindedness. Why? Because God said, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. So we've got to get back to a place of establishing that culture of love, that culture of the kingdom of God, which says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Not God so loved the perfect people, but God so loved the world. So we have to get back to that culture of recognizing our differences, but yet and still embracing the fact that we are a created being, excuse me, being of people that God has a purpose for. So now, Tam, I'm going to let you jump in here. So tell me about the different aspects of how you see the culture in which we live in today. Wow, that's really powerful, sis, because I wish everybody to know that you and I, because of our busy schedules, we don't have time to really um, interact with each other during the week sometimes. Not that we don't love each other. It's just that we have separate lives and we do things. So sometimes it doesn't, right. but when we get together, it's a celebration, and I thank God that it's Christ in it all. But you never even spoke to me about it until today, actually, to tell me what the topic was going to be about. But I was just speaking to mm-hmm. my husband, and I said, Damn, wow, this is really serious. We need more love in this world. It's really sad when you go mm-hmm. to grocery stores and you go places that people are not smiling anymore. It used to be when we were little kids and you go in and your grandmama and them was talking to sister such and such at the church and sister such and such. It was always something. And my husband said, mm-hmm. wow, it was a time during this time I was looking forward to Christmas, not because that of Christmas, okay, quote, unquote, the holiday. It's just you got to understand that where we came from during that time, it seems like it was Christmas in the air and it was love and People were ready mm-hmm. and excited, and, you know, they were prepping and for their children, and children were prepping to receive, and we were grateful back then, and mm-hmm. we believed in things. And it's not the point that after a while we didn't believe. We knew that it wasn't a such thing as Santa Claus at the same time. It was just the way that our parents did things and the way that they mm-hmm. presented things to us to give us hope and something to believe in. And that was mm-hmm. the topic in our household. My mother would cook the ham and cut the fat off the ham and put it in the oven and make bacon, and we would look forward to it. And mm. we were talking about how we would decorate the tree, and my mother would put lights on first and how she decorated back then, since if you remember, it was angel hair. And, man, my mom would mm-hmm. whip that angel mm-hmm. hair around that tree and make those lights look like they were shining double dimension. And, you, you know, <laughs> it was hard to get a candy cane, but you would take your finger through the – through the um, fiberglass of the angel hair, because that's what it was. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the, the new weave, ladies, that's the new weave of today. Okay, <laughs> they took it off the tree and we didn't wore it on our hair. But you know what I'm saying? So we, you know what I'm saying? So we used to get the candy yeah. canes out. But my mother would hide things in the closet and we wouldn't see things. And the next morning she would tell us about the Sandman. This is where I'm getting to right mm. now when you said mm. about tradition and culture. What are we really believing in anymore? 
What are we looking at so much of everybody else that we stop believing in ourselves? What have we done to our own families that we've looked at other families up the street because they look like they drive a BMW? You don't know what it takes for them to drive that BMW. Let me say something to everybody. Everything that glitters ain't always gold, and everything that's pretty ain't always beautiful. You don't know what's going Mm. on. But what's happening when you say that, sis, to me, tradition. I still believe in Sunday dinners. I still believe in Thanksgiving. I'm like you, sis. Man, I can't. I want to see you so bad. And I'm starting to feel family in my spirit and my soul, the longing for my family Mm -hmm. to get together. Just screw all the, excuse me when I say screw, but forget all the difficulties and what we went through before. Let's come together Mm -hmm. and laugh and break Mm -hmm. bread and love each other again. That's where I Mm -hmm. am right now in this culture. This is where I want to be. And I'm fighting it very hard because it's so much sadness and disagreements and people looking at our president and what's going on and people are getting scared and running for their lives. Can I share something with you real quick, sis? Yes. I go into work the other day and we have a new cash thing in my, at my store. And when I came in after being off for three days, I realized that I had to come into a new tradition. And the new tradition on my job now is I had to scan my right hand and I had to scan my left hand because as a supervisor now and cashiers and different things, everybody is responsible and accountable for their own actions. So your handprints matter. Did it not make me feel uncomfortable? Yes, it did. Did I start thinking about the mark of the beast? Yes, I did. When I asked the question, how long once I leave here will my handprints stay on file? And I heard the answer was forever. What is that? So, you know, we can get scared and we can run, we can run and we can do everything we want to. But if, when you stay on the traditions of God, and this is the answer mm. that I've been getting, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. Please mm-hmm. get yourself into the word of God. Listen, there's Joyce Myers, there's T.D. Jakes, there's Joel Osteen, there's many different prophets on our prophet that we love so much has been on our radio. Many people have messages. Listen to it because you have to to be able to stay rooted and grounded in the cultures of Christ because the cultures of mm-hmm. Christ were good things, good vibrations, love, and peace in the mm-hmm. air. We didn't, they, I'm not telling you there wasn't hate back then when we were growing up, but we didn't know it like we did now because it didn't show it as much and black people stuck together and different things. But I don't care what color you are. You can believe white, black, green, blue, green, candy stripe. I don't care. I had a lady tell me at work the other day, man, it's so good to see somebody express love and treat people kind and you've exuded mm. it all. No, not because I'm perfect, but because I ask the Lord every day, what do we need more? He said, what the world needs mm-hmm. now, and it was a song, is love. Mm-hmm. Because people don't mm-hmm. love anybody anymore. We hate each other. We're jealous and malice, strifeful and envious. What? Of what? Of what? You can have the same thing they have. You just got to um, try. Amen? Amen. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, that, that is so true. Culture. You know, our family values have changed, and that's part of our culture. Um, Back in the day, like you said, you know, we stuck together as a family. Now the family unit is so divided, even when the family sits down to the table so often, and you see this reflected on television, um, everybody's got their head into their, their tablet or their smartphone. They don't sit and communicate with one another any longer. My um. My spiritual daughter, when she was living with me years ago, she would literally be sitting next to me and text me to ask me a question. And I would refuse to answer because I'm like, I'm right here. You're right there. Talk to me, (laughs) okay? But our culture has become such now that that are especially our youth, they are connected to that that glob of of wires and and coding and whatever you call these smartphones now, and they have lost the art of oral, verbal communication. They've lost the art of looking you in your eye and having a conversation. You know, it it is really... uh, 
It is sad when you think about that, but it is part of this new world order's culture. Seriously, you know, we, we, we hear, we see the, the left behind movies, and, and just as you just said, you know, your mind thinks about the mark of the beast or whatever, but we are actually living in a new world order. We really are. Things have changed. We are now in the technological era, and so everything is about technology. And if you cannot utilize technology, then you are, quote, unquote, left behind because everything works off of technology now. And, and to a degree, it's sad. You know, I, I am just like everybody else. I love the Internet because it is the information superhighway, and anything I think I want to find or look up or need is right at my fingertips. I love that. But what I hate is the fact that now everybody is buried into this screen um, called a computer or a telephone, and no one – we have lost, let me say this, we have lost the art of just – sitting and talking and communicating. We've lost the art of sitting and writing a letter to someone. Everything is electronically done. We've got emails going back and forth. We've got texts, and now texting has its own language. So, you, you know, you don't even talk the same way when you're sending a text. You don't verbalize yourself in a proper manner. So our kids are losing the value of vocabulary, of Spelling, you know, of communication, the art of communication. I mean, think about it, sis. They don't even learn how to write in cursive anymore in school. That was part of your artistic creativity coming alive when you could do that. You, you, it's like things have now all gone to sciences, and, and it's lost that human touch. Now you go into Teller, you go to a kiosk and everything is done through that kiosk. You know, soon most of most of us, I'm sure, are guilty. We go to the self serve line at the grocery store because we want to get in and get out, so we don't even have a checker checking us out. We're scanning our own stuff so that we can get in and get out. We are in that microwave mentality culture now. So we have lost the art of communicating one with another. And what that means is we're losing the art of relationship. We're losing how to relate to one another. And to me, that's a very, very sad scenario. That is a very, very sad scenario. And so we're losing that bonding that God so desired. Remember, the reason Christ came was to reconcile us back unto the Father, that we might have relationship once again with the Father. Let me tell you, and, and I do a lot of ministry on the Internet, um, and as even right now, this radio broadcast is an Internet radio show. You know, most of the syndicated shows that we do that spin off of this particular show are syndicated shows. I understand. I, I, you know, it, it is definitely, it has opened up the arena to the world hearing the gospel of Christ. But if we lose the art of one-on-one -on -one relating to one another, building relationships, building bonds between each other, building up trust between human beings, not trust in an electronical device, then we're going to miss the culture of the kingdom and we're going to miss what it is that, that Christ came for because you cannot have an electronic relationship with God. It has got to be one-on-one. -on -one. It's got to be personal. It's got to be turn the computer off. I, I understand we've gotten to a place now where half the time we don't even go to church because we can get everything we need online. But that connecting one with another is vital in your development, in your developing your relationship with God. So in this kingdom culture, there's a lot of things that we need to start cultivating for this culture to stay alive in our lives. So first and foremost, we just talked about we've got to cultivate the, the, the love factor. We've got to begin to love one another again. We've got to become more 
tolerant and sensitive to the needs of others. Trust me, we've all had issues, and we talk about this all the time. We've all had issues where we've come short and failed before God, where our mindset was that that was different than what God wanted for our lives or even what the Word of God teaches us about our lives. We've all walked through those days, but God yet had patience and loved us into his kingdom, loved us into a relationship with us, with him. If we don't stop just bashing and bad-mouthing everything that we disagree with, we will never get to that place of drawing those ones that are out of the will of God into the presence of God. So I'm going to let you I'm going to let you Wow, I'm going to tell you something since that's really powerful again. You know, I've been really reflecting a lot on different um, different things and different situations. And, and again, I have to say to people, no, we're not asking to be perfect. But I'm realizing now the reason why we can't, a lot of us can't go forward because we're so much looking at everyone else's lives. Don't look at everyone else's lives because you think that it looks perfect and beautiful and glamorous and this and that. And they have an awesome husband or they have an awesome wife or they have a beautiful home and cars are driving up in the mm-hmm. front. You don't know what's going on in that home. You don't mm. know what's going on in that home. I remember when I was pregnant and I lived with you, sis, and your daughter, my niece, had taken me driving. She used to take me driving all the time by the beach and the coast because I loved it when I was pregnant. And one day we were passing by these towers in Miami, and they were high-rises, and they were very pricey high-rises, and I began to hear different voices, blah, 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 blah. I mean different conversations, literally. And um, my niece was looking at me, she said, Titi, are you all right? And I said, it's amazing because it's almost like I hear the conversations that are going on in those places. We look at them because they're beautiful and we think that we can't afford them and people live there and what happened to our lives and where do we fall short? But I remember looking at those places and saying there's pedophiles and there's homosexuality and there's murder and there's Mm. contained spirits and different things that are going on in there. Because, again, you think because they have money that their lives are better. It doesn't mean that their lives are better. I remember hearing an interview one time with Whitney Houston, and she was talking to Jill Scott, and she said, wow, I just wish I could be normal like you. I just want to go back to being Whitney. Well, you know, we think that we want success and money and different things, but we don't realize that sometimes that brings more qualms and more troubles. You think that it can Mm. solve it. But it's not a matter of, why don't you take what you have and ask God to make it much and live off of less than what you're bringing in, you'll find out that you're richer than Donald Trump. Hmm. I'm going to say that again. Why don't what you take what you have and try to live off of what live off of less of what you bring in, and you're richer than Donald Trump? Because sometimes our wants and our needs overtake us, not our needs as much, because God provides for us every day. You're eating. You have shelter. It may not be a man. Yeah. It may not be filet mignon or different chefs in your food, but you eat. And yet we still complain. But again, you get the promotion on your job, but God never promised you what it would be once you got the promotion. You get the husband or wife, but God never tells you what it would be once you get that promotion or that husband or that wife. But you expect God to bless you with everything and expect you to make it beautiful and lovely. You have to make your own world, and you have to believe in God and believe in what you do is right, and it will go right for you. Amen. Amen. You know, you you have to stop and think of what is the culture and what are the examples that you're setting for the next generation that's coming up, for the babies that are growing up in your home, for your grandchildren when they're coming to visit. If you're always, you know, talking against other people and, you know, bad-mouthing this group of people and bad-mouthing that group of people, what do you think that you are in minds and into their hearts and into their feelings? Because they're reflective of what they see, what they're used to. This becomes their culture, you know. I've said this before, and I thank and praise God for my parents because, 
even though I was born in the 50s and they were born at the turn of the century, my father was born in 1909, my mother was born in 1913, they walked through the Depression, the civil rights, uproar, all of those different things, and they could have been quite different within the household. They could have been embittered. They could have always been talking about the white man holding them back or, you know, having to do this and having to do that and, you know, why they couldn't get ahead and all of these different things. But never, ever once, never once, I mean that from my heart, never once did I hear race discussed in my home growing up. I was taught that I could be anything that I desired to be. All I had to do was work hard to to do it. I was taught that I was no better or no less than anyone else and not to allow anybody to put me in any kind of box that would define me as being better or less than. So I grew up with that sense of environment within me, and I always had multicultural friends. I grew up in a in in um a multicultural um lifestyle basically because I went to Catholic school so you know there were only a handful of darker skinned people in the school back in the sixties. Um but it was, you know, I, I was always taught that, you know, do not allow what somebody else's mouth may say about you to define you, but know that you are of great worth with inside yourself. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. You know, and I've tried, I've tried my best to instill that into my generations, into my children and my grandchildren, and now I have great-grandchildren coming up. And so this is the culture that I want and the legacy that I want to leave behind for my children because it was the legacy that my parents left behind for me. You know, we choose how we shape and mold our children. Remember the word of God tells us, train up a child in the way they should go. It may not be the way they're going right then, but the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Old is relative. Old is not gray hair. Old is in maturity. We all had to get to that place as the prodigal son did where we come to ourselves. That's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, I promise you, because I relate so heavily to it. When he came to himself, that's when he realized, hey, I can do better at home. I got a loving father. I may not, he even, he was in a misconceived state of mind thinking, well, my father may not accept me back as his son, but at least his servants live better than what I'm doing out here in this pig pen. Okay, he came to himself and realized that he had someone, a loving father that he could return to. No matter how he had squandered, no matter what he had done wrong, he came to himself. And that's what we have to do. We have to to create a culture in which our children, as I said, age is relative to maturity, can be in a place where they can come to themselves. Every one of us, have, we go through um, that wild years, okay? It, it doesn't happen always for everybody at that same place. Most of the time, it is those teenage years where hormones are raging and misconceptions are going on with inside their mind, body, and spirit, and they think they know everything, and we can't tell them anything. And those are those years that we fight um, to stay sane in without taking one of our children out of this world, those are those difficult years. But if we even yield those years to God, God will teach us how to rear those children through the difficult times. Now, sometimes you can go through those times and it'd be all good, and then all of a sudden your child is grown and in their 20s or in their 30s or even in their 40s, they get to a midlife crisis place in time, and all of a sudden they lose their mind, and they're like, and you're sitting there going, what the heck happened to you? Okay? Because I know this is not the way I raised you. I know this is not what I instilled in you. What are you doing? But nevertheless, as the word of God is truth, because God is a God who cannot lie, they'll get to a place where they come to themselves. 
And then they will realize and recognize the error of their own ways the same way you had to realize the error of yours. One thing God taught me really, really early on, because I had been a mother uh, probably, what, 15, 16 years before I gave my life to the Lord. Um, But what he had to show me is that I didn't allow the devil to kill you or to take you out even when you were out there doing your worst. So trust me to know I got your babies. And I had to get to that point of, yep, you know what, you got a point. And nobody could keep me the way God kept me, even in my mess. So I had to recognize and understand that I can only protect my children so far. I can only cover my children so far. It takes the love of God to cover them, to deliver them, to set them free, to watch with them, to walk with them, just like he had to do for me. But there was a different culture. He allowed me to establish in my home after I gave my life to him. And I was very concerned because the culture of my home up to that point had not been one um, of, of just horrendous, but at the same time it had not been one really It had not been one where we walk by faith. Okay, it, it, it was a faith walk even when I didn't know it was a faith walk, but it was not instilled in my children to recognize it as a faith walk until I recognized the goodness of God and how he had kept us in the midst of. So I'm encouraging you, and, and so is my sister, encouraging you to establish that culture in your home where your child can recognize the goodness of God all around them. So, again, if all you're doing is bad-mouthing other people, if all you're doing is singing the woe is me song, if all you're doing is trying to instill in them to reach for material goals in life instead of for spiritual goals in life because then the material stuff will follow, then you're setting the wrong culture for them. They should see you prostrate on your face before God. They should see you giving praise, glory, and honor to God. They should to recognize when the hand of God is evident and moving. It is always there, but there is a time and a place in your walk that there is a manifestation, a true, living, breathing manifestation where you can mark it and say, that's the hand of God. And you can show that to your children so that they may not understand at that moment and they may even question your sanity right then, but it will get to a place that they will reflect back and be like, you know what? That was a move of God. And if he did it for my mother, if he did it for my father, if he did it for us as a family, then he'll do it for me now. That is the culture that you want to establish, the traditions that you want to establish, a tradition of giving thanks, a tradition of prayer and intercession, a tradition of loving one another. In the midst of, we have parents and, and children today that are in the body of Christ that aren't even speaking to one another because they're so angry that with what one or the other did, and they're in the body. How can that be so? And you're okay with it. How is that so? Or you feel like you're just a so. That is not the culture of the kingdom. You have sisters and brothers that haven't spoken to each other in years over something trivial. It gets to the place that at one given time, you don't even remember what started the feud. I know Tanya talked about this last week about the Hatfields and the McCoys. After 200 years of the family feuding, did nobody even realize or remember what started the feud. We've got to get to that place where we're establishing the culture of God in our homes, in our families. And guess what? You can establish that same culture on your job. And no, you don't have to be that Bible-thumping preacher on the job because that's not what you're being paid for. But if you are living a God-filled life, if you're living a life that is pleasing and acceptable to God, then your life will so shine even in the midst of your job. Did you hear what Tanya said? Just a little while ago, a customer recognized God in her because of her 
character, because of her joy, because of how she greets the customers and what she says and how she carries herself. We have got to get to a place where the culture of God is more real in our lives and in our homes than the culture of this world. We cannot buy in to every post that's posted on Facebook that talks about President Trump. We cannot buy in to all the rhetoric that's going on with police brutality and all the things that are happening in our country. Please hear me what I'm saying to you. There are things that are very, very wrong that are happening in our society, but posting evil posts the answer. The answer is making a change, embracing a police officer, getting on your face, praying for peace, for love between the races, for, for being that one that shows forth that love. I promise you, that is what will make a change, not your evil rhetoric. I have times, I'm going to be really honest and transparent, I believe that the word of God is infallible. God cannot lie. And he said in his word that he lifts one up and plucks another one down. And the, the king's heart is in his hand. I have to believe that. So if I believe that, then I can't go online or in conversations going on and on and on about how horrible President Trump is whether I feel something about some of his decisions or not. I didn't like Obama, all of President Obama's decisions. There's never been a president in the White House that, you have, that you're going to say you agree with every decision that they make. Heck, I didn't agree with every decision that my mother made, and she was my mother, and I know that nobody loved me like she did. But nevertheless, we are called as a body of Christ to establish the culture of the kingdom of God. So therefore, as, as I think about what the word of God says, and I have confessed, and I believe you for your word, but some of this stuff just does not make sense to me. Then I get to a place that you're going, you, this may be a little humorous, but this is the truth. And I, I've confessed this before God. I said, you said you would take the foolish things to confound the wise. I said, I must be very, very wise because this is some foolishness to me. <laughs> I'm serious. However, nevertheless, I still hold true to what the word of God says. And the word of God commands me to pray for my leaders, pray for those that are in authority, not sit up and go into these long ranting, raving moments about how horrible this individual is and how this person needs to be brought down and whatever. I promise you, when the hand of God decides to move and bring one down and pluck another one up, nothing will stop that from happening. But it's got to be within his timing and his will. You don't know what God is doing in the midst of the situations that are going on right now. We're looking on the outside, and we're making judgments. And, and, and I promise you, I probably in my flesh agree with some of the judgments you are making, but I cannot hold true to my flesh. I must hold true to the spirit of God that resolves within me resides, I'm sorry, that resides within me. I have to hold true to that. So therefore, I must pray for those that are in leadership. I must pray that their heart is in the hand of God and that God will get the glory out of whatever is going on in the midst of the foolishness. I have to believe that. I have to trust in that. I have to trust my God over the presidency, over whatever else is going on in this world. I've got to make that conscious decision and choice to God because he trumps all of this. He is above all of this. So I have to trust him. Go ahead, sis. Jump in. You know what? You are speaking the truth, and it doesn't matter. I feel like this. It's time to be silent when someone is speaking the truth and telling us about ourselves and, and the way that we should go. It's just so sad that tradition seems like it's fading. We become more and more trusted in the world and the flat screen TVs and the Google and what they say and what they say and do. I have. I'm not even going to lie to anybody. I fight. I struggle every day of being between human 
in my spirituality what I truly believe in Christ. And the reason why I fight and I war every day is because I know that God is real and I know that he loves me. And I know the only way that I maintain in my being is because of him. But I still mm-hmm. fight flesh every day. I still get mad. Every day. I still have I still have attitudes sometimes. I have to tell I ain't gonna lie to anybody. I have to tell one of my youngest coworkers well, not youngest, but one of my coworkers yesterday, be quiet. Don't even talk to me right now. I don't even want to talk to you. See, I have to that's what it's called, keep it real. I'm keeping it real mm-hmm. with you because it hurt me so bad because I'm like, I'm tired of dealing with this attitude. See, I too mm-hmm. fight flesh every day. Mm-hmm. We war in the spirit mm-hmm. all day long. We mm-hmm. war in the spirit all day long. We war in the spirit. Yes, Somebody need to hear me all day long. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. easy because now I'm to a point where I'm a supervisor. Do I want to be liked or respected? I don't really care if I'm liked anymore. And that's really sad because they didn't love Christ. But what you have mm. to understand is what's your tradition? Because see, tradition mm. is good and it can be bad. Are you still t- sticking mm. to tradition when your mama didn't like somebody and that's why you don't like them now? You don't like their mm. family, so you can't receive mm. them or accept them. And you got a little extra money. God has blessed you, but you can't feed them because they did this to you a long time ago or three days ago or four days ago. Let me tell you something. If it's wow. yesterday, believe it or not, it's too late. Let it go. I promise you, mm. I know I have attitudes and problems. I'm never going to tell anybody nobody ever hurt me. I'm never going to tell you that I didn't hold a grudge. But again, you, if you really realize, and I pray that you guys out there that are listening can understand that all these shows are tying in together. Because we live yeah. in not, and we know of not the minute, nor the hour, nor the day. When our mm. Messiah may come. And we have to be a big old shit of Ready to burn the oil and be ready. I'm not telling anybody I'm perfect. I'm not. I struggle every day. But my tradition, just like I like to cook good food, I have pumpkin candles right now, and apple cinnamon spice candles blowing throughout the house because I remember yesterday when my grandmama used to cook dinner and mom, and when we seemed like we had love in our hearts, even though we did things, but it still had more love. And we believed in each Mm. other and we gave to each other and we trusted each other. And again, God was love. He always taught us love. It's so hard to do right now. It's so hard to show right now because people are nasty. People will look Mm. at you. And curse you out to your face in traffic. Yes, Get out of will. church. Yes, and I will. heard T.D. Jake say something. You really want to see a ministry? Be the parking lot ministry. Whether you cut in front of them, they will curse you out. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Where I work at every day and people get out of church sometimes and they come out and, man, I have to check them. Because I have to check myself. Not because I'm perfect. I have to check myself. I check myself when I'm at work. I check myself to make sure I'm not nasty, unpresentable, that I'm representing Christ. I may not tell you that I'm the prettiest thing. I'm not. I may not tell you I dress proper. Maybe I don't. But let me say something to you. Just because the package don't look presentable, that don't mean it ain't the right package. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's amazing because Christ walked amongst us, but nobody, a lot of people didn't recognize because he was, didn't come like they thought. Bling, bling, everybody say. Bling, bling. Mm. If you blinging, you got it going on. If you're driving the most popular mm. car or got the executive job or if you're living in a house and you bling, blinging, then you're living right. Is it living right? Because mm. I'm going to tell you something. It's sad because I thought possessions and money was everything. But if mm-hmm. I can't have Christ, then I have to live like I'm living, then I'm living well, and I'm rich. Mm. Mm. You can keep the rest. Keep it. Because yes, I've ma'am. had possessions, and I've had many of clothes in my closet and shoes in my closet, and I've had to walk off and leave it all. That, that doesn't mm. make it right. But to live with Christ means you have to die. But to die, that means you have to live. And I don't know about anybody else, but I'm telling you right now, I have to look around, open your eyes, because where you are is really beautiful. You just don't recognize yeah. it anymore because we're so busy, sis, of looking at everybody else's blessing. We don't even see our own. See, we think that God is only our God. Christ is only our Christ. He's only supposed to bless us, love us, keep us, not anybody else, truly. 
Truly, this is the way it's supposed to be. But let me say something to you. When you love somebody, you want them to be blessed too. Even if doesn't yes. mean that you're being blessed. And let me say something. I want my sister blessed. I want the people that I love blessed. And even if I may yes. not be walking in that blessing, guess what? When it comes around again, there'll be a blessing to you. But we're so mm-hmm. quick not to let it go. We're so quick not to want to sow into the kingdom of God. We're so quick not to want to invest in somebody's book. We're so quick. I'm telling you because I was that way. I was scared all the time. But let me tell you something. When you sow, sow. And when you give, you give. And let it go. Because that brings on a harvest. And that brings on an increase. Mm-hmm. Want somebody to be blessed. Love people when they're being happy. Let's celebrate together. But know why you're celebrating. Do you get me? Hmm. Amen, I had a coworker to tell me I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed I finally found a man that can deal with a broken woman. You know what I told her? All I'm asking you to do is remember God. See, you blessed right now because you got a man. But let's say that it go bad sometimes because it does. Hmm. Will you still be blessed? You know what I'm saying to you? We, we want to be blessed. Mm-hmm. We want to celebrate with you. But just don't acknowledge God when you're always walking in blessings. Acknowledge God when it ain't good, too. Because I'm going to tell you, yeah. do everything that your truest blessings is when things are going good. No, it's not. It's when things, all oh, hell is breaking loose. And it don't seem like anything is working out. And the car had to be taken away. And you had to get evicted out of an apartment. Or you had a relationship and you broke up. And you thought that was the end of your life. How could God do this to you? He blessed you. No. What? What, Tanya? I don't understand that. What does that mean he blessed me? Because even in your darkest hour, you're at your lightest moment. You got to open up your mm. eyes and see. Because let me tell you something. I had somebody, I had a man, plenty of men had money. Thought they had it going on, but that didn't mean they were nice. I had to give up some mm. things of myself and who I was and what I thought I was and what I was going to become because I need to blend in and become who they were. Let it go. Like, the, like they got a new app called Let It Go. Let It Go. Stop hanging on. Mm. Trust God. Mm. Know that he's working it out for your good. Know that no matter what it looks like, I'm telling you right now, no matter what it looks like right now in my life, I'm telling everybody right now, I went to the dollar store and I got me some leaves, got me a little plate, dollar store, got me a little couple of pumpkins, and I have some flowers and stuff, and I decorated my table. You know what I said? This is a million-dollar table. I may not have what most people have, but I thank God for what it is and what he's making it and what he is and what he's making it become in my life. Thank you. Please, people. You know, I, I have learned that the most valuable commodities, the most valuable things in our lives are things that cannot be purchased with money. Well, you better come cannot on. Cannot be purchased with money. Seriously. You know, all where we're out here struggling and, you know, and trying to climb that corporate ladder and all of these things and giving up our integrity, our character, and doing all manner of things to people to step on them, to step over them. And the most important things in life cannot be bought with money. Your integrity, your character, the love of of uh, a man and a woman, the love of a, a parent and a child, the love of God cannot be bought. There's no amount of money in the world that can buy that for you. So while you're clawing and missing the, the culture of the kingdom of God, you've traded it in for the culture of the world because the world says, that you've got to have that 6,500-square-foot home. The world says you've got to have that Bentley. The world says you've got to have that $7,000 diamond ring on your finger. The world says in order for you to be successful, you have to own material things. Not so. Not so. Because you know what? As Paul said, what profited a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul and become a castaway. All of that stuff that we chase after and all of those opinions, all is said and done, 
what's really important to God because this is what we fail to recognize and embrace, that our life here on this planet, in this flesh, it is but a glimpse on the, the timeline of eternity. It's like a boop, boop, one little heartbeat in the scope of things. Where are you going to spend eternity? What is your life going to be like after this? After this. We're so caught up in the struggle of the here and the now. We're missing the beauty of the what's to come. You are here in this here and now so that you can take more people with you to what's to come. So I, I'm, I, hey, I aspire to drive a Bentley too, but I don't aspire to have that $250,000 car note to have it. Can I come out? I'll ramble on to you. Okay? You can provide that for me if you so choose. In the interim, right now, I have, I own, outright, don't own nobody for it, a uh, 2005 Hyundai Sonata. And guess what? Right now, my family in Las Vegas is driving that thing all over Las Vegas. They doing work. They doing whatever they need to do in it to get him from point A to point B. May not be my dream, but it works. We got to learn to appreciate what we got. I'm blessed to drive a corporate car here in Atlanta. Don't pay a car note. It's a blessing. But yet and still, when I leave Atlanta, that car stays here, and I go on back to my Sonata. And guess what? I ain't mad. Point A to point B. See, because for four years, I didn't own a car at all. And I had to depend on other people to get where I needed to go. So you learn to appreciate when you are when you have been without, you learn to appreciate the value of when you have. It's not about what the world says I should have or I should be driving or I should own. It's well, thank you. And, and, the, and mm, what Tanya said is incredibly true and incredibly important in the culture of the God. Your blessing is the manifestation of you making it through the trial and tribulation that you find yourself. That is, God said his strength is made strong in your weakness when you're without, when you don't know where it's coming from. See, we get caught up in having and we forget to thank God for the having, but we also forget to reflect on, well, when you had not, how did you make it? So if you made it when you had not, and you knew it was nothing but the grace of God that got you through the have not period, you got to stop and give God praise for the period you have, because it's the same God that got you through the have not that is getting you through the period of the time that you have. Create a culture, a tradition, a legacy within your family that you teach them the love of God above all else, the love that God has for you and for them, and the love that you have for God. Teach them. Make that evidence. Show forth the blessing in that relationship. And then teach them tolerance for one another. We are not a perfect people, none of us, but we serve a perfect God. So if we learn to love each other in spite of our differences, then we can allow the culture of the kingdom of God to transform the lives of those we come in contact with. And that's what it's all about. The same loving kindness he's shown unto you, to draw you to his bosom is the same loving kindness he wants you to show unto others to draw others to his bosom as well. I pray this has been a blessing for you. I pray that in the midst of all of this that you will learn to embrace the culture of the kingdom of God.
because that's what it's all about. It's beautiful that you have traditions and great, great, great grandmama passed through and you're going to cook it, you know, every Thanksgiving. That's wonderful. And I'm not trying to take that from you. But the most important tradition that you can pass on and embrace in the in your children and those that God has given you as a sphere of influence is his love. And that costs you absolutely nothing monetarily but it will cost you your life submitted and surrendered unto him. And that's the greatest gift because that's the gift he's given unto you is that wonderful gift of life. I pray you've been blessed. I pray your upcoming week is filled to the overflow with the goodness of God. I love you with the love of Christ. I love you, my sister. Thank you so much for your nuggets of wisdom and all that you have shared with our audience today. It has definitely been invaluable. I love you, too. God bless everybody. We'll be back with you next week. Love you much, God willing. Let's keep it real.